Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast. Uh, NFL Draft is coming up this weekend. A lot of Sooners in the mix uh, for first round spots and maybe some uh, you know picks later there in the uh, in the later rounds. So I called up the biggest draft Nick I know, uh, Chris Plank. He's also uh, you know fortunately a, a OU insider. He's on the Sooner Radio Network. He also is on. Uh, from 9 to 11 Central, weekdays on 99.3 FM and 1400 AM. He's got a show on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday nights, and he's also been a fantastic addition to the new Big 12 radio uh, channel that they're doing there on Sirius XM. So let's go ahead and welcome him on. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing great. Uh, Alan, you know, I'm a big fan of your pod. I'm a big fan of your writing. So uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to be able to chop up some draft stuff with you today. I think it, I think it should be fun and Man, you go back, dude. You've 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 covered the Sooners. You've been a fan. You followed them for a while. You know we had the we had the season with Sam and Trent Williams yeah. and Jermaine Gresham. You know we're we're getting back to those kind of days again. You know the number one pick in the draft last year, and now in the way that Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown performed in their first year, two guys that probably should have been first round picks last year, and you know we could see three go in the first round on Thursday. So. We're getting there, man. It's it's exciting times for the Sooners in the NFL draft process. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mentioned it in the open that uh, you've been doing work with uh, SiriusXM there with that uh, Big Twelve channel. Man, oh, that's been yeah. a lot of fun, man. I'm, I love having uh, you know th- that uh, you know show that you're doing there in the afternoon sometimes with uh, Gabe Eichert. I mean, you know, guy, you guys have a history together working together, and uh, I mean, it's a lot of fun, man. He's he, Gabe's a really great guy to work with. He doesn't take himself too seriously, and he works. You know, you sometimes, you know, you see guys that once they finish their playing career, they they'll just go into the radio to spew takes about you know what they did as a player and how great they were, and then they don't really put the work in. You know, we've got a laundry list of guys that have graduated from Oklahoma in Gabe and Teddy Lehman and Dusty Dvorak and Demarco Murray before he got back into coaching and. Uh, oh my gosh, the late great Steve Davis, who they mm-hmm. absolutely put in the work. You know, they grind, and you know, Gabe grinds. Yeah, he watches everything. He's there to give perspective on everything, and we just we have a really good time with it. And what's kind of cool for those of you that you know long for a Big Twelve network, that's in, in a lot of ways what we're doing on XM. You know, we're giving you a Big Twelve network. There's two live daily talk shows. There's coaches shows. There's games. It's really. It's really fun, and I, I'm kind of blessed to be a part of it, and I hope more people take more time off so I can get more fill-in shifts. That's kind of how I <laughs> look at it right now. <laughs> well, man, you are, you're, you're always on that grind, though, man. I know you, uh, and I know that this is, time of year is always busy for you because of uh, your relentless study of the uh, NFL draft and uh, everything that's coming up. And, you know, you mentioned you just – you know, kind of Oklahoma getting back to being one of those elite uh, kind of NFL producing schools. Uh, I, you know, I've got to imagine this is something that uh, Lincoln Riley is going to be uh, pounding on the recruiting trail, huh? Well, not only is he going to be pounding it on the recruiting trail, he's going to be pounding it everywhere he can. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, not everyone gets to play in the NFL. And not everyone has an opportunity to play in the NFL, but everyone can have that vision whenever they go to college that they're going to have the opportunity to play in the NFL. And, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to say 
You've had the number one pick now, likely. We'll see what happens with Arizona in that top spot this year. But likely you're going to have the number one pick in back-to-back years. I don't know if that's going to be something that can ever be emulated. I mean, honestly, it's just mm-hmm. it's amazing to think about the two talented guys that you had. But even if it never happens again, to be able to say, hey, this happened in back-to-back years, there might, there might be a guy that's coming in and thinks he's going to be a first-round pick or the number one pick in the draft. He might not ever get there, but you've had a guy that's put two guys in those positions. And I just, I, I kind of, I find myself jaw dropped at it quite a bit, to be honest with you, Alan. And I, you know, you and I could go, you know, hindsight here and just talk about how incredible this season was in general for a Kyler Murray to see him become the, the, the quarterback that he became and to kind of see how I was, it, it's kind of funny and, you know, cut me off if I go along here. <laughs> I was thinking about – I was listening to the Mel Kiper Jr. Tom McShay podcast with Adam Schefter, and they were talking about Kyler and the season, and they were laying out the conversations they were having with area draft scouts. And uh, Todd McShay said one guy a couple of games into the season had called him to say, hey, have you started checking into Kyler? And he goes, well, no, not really, because – he's going to play baseball or he's going to come back to college. You know, there was never this thought that he was going to go to the draft, but then as the season progressed and as they continue to see what he was capable of and what he could do, they realized, Oh no, I better start checking on this guy. I better start digging deeper because they already had three offensive linemen, a wide receiver, maybe a defensive end that they were kind of keeping an eye on from Oklahoma. Now all of a sudden they had to start doing their due diligence on this uh, quarterback because they realized he's going to be the one. So yes, long winded way to tell you, Lincoln not only will use it as as a sales thing in recruiting, I think it'll become kind of the cornerstone of the program in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I think so. Now, you know, I remember, you know, you and I, I think it was back in the spring, you know, we kind of chopped it up a little bit about what we saw in the uh, Oklahoma spring game, you know, that red-white game they played. It was a rainy, kind of cold, wet, wind, really windy day. And, uh, you know, it was kind of Murray's, I guess, debut, you know, publicly as Mm -hmm. the man. Did you have any idea that this would even be something that, uh, you know, would, you know, even be contemplated at that time, you know? As far as him turning pro? Yeah, and him making, I mean, yeah, first round pick, I mean, or him going to the NFL, I mean. The moment whenever I thought Kyler had a chance to be the, and, and I'm, this is no BS. The moment whenever I thought he had a chance to be an NFL quarterback was when Cliff Kingsbury said, if I had the number one pick in the draft, I'd take him. And it was kind of – because I, again, I was thinking – I was still in my draft to work of mine. I was thinking Justin Herbert. I was thinking yeah. uh, maybe teams might wait a year for, for Tua Tungavailoa and kind of see how he But as soon as Cliff Kingsbury said that, I think it kind of changed the way that I was looking at Kyler, even back, you know, to that horrible, he said the the horrible elements on a spring game or the first time Mm -hmm. he stepped on the field against West Virginia and took the ball 65 yards. I always thought he was a really special player. I just thought he had made his mind up that he was going to play baseball. And from the people that I had talked to, it was, yeah, no, no, he baseball all the way. He wants to protect his body. He feels like that's where he has his most upside. But I think from that point forward is where it really started to hammer home to me, and I started to notice all the little things that magnified how much he loves football. You know, he, oh, yeah. he, he, he just loves football. And he's, he's not the personality of Baker, um, but he still grinds. You know, he's not going to be the guy that 
uh, is going to wow you in a press conference setting or even in a one-on-one interview like, say, Baker Mayfield did and could. But he's also, you know, he's, he's also the dude that's putting in, a dude that's putting in just as much film time. So as I started to learn that and I started to dig a little bit deeper, it became glaringly obvious that, holy smokes, this guy isn't just an NFL quarterback. This is a guy who wants to be an NFL quarterback. And this is a guy now who teams think can be an NFL quarterback. And then you just take it through what Gruden said at, at senior day, even though Gruden didn't say anything specifically about Tyler Murray, he just talked about the size of quarterbacks. Uh, and then it just kind of has become a, a, a ball rolling downhill. I mean, think about this, Alan. Even if Arizona passes on Kyler Murray, you're hearing now of teams that don't want to risk him getting down to two or three and mm-hmm. would try to make a move up to get him. I mean, this was a guy that we were dead set as a baseball guy. And maybe I think if you put truth serum in most Sooner fans, they would say, well, he's probably a little bit too short for the NFL. And yet here we are, you know, days, hours before the draft, and he's probably going to go number one. So for me personally, I was – not really even thinking about that until the moment that Cliff Kingsbury said that. And that was kind of late in the season. And then I started to put some things together, you know, talking with coaches, whenever we would do the coaches corner about the possibility of maybe him trying to be an NFL quarterback. And they said, well, trust me, he knows the grind of the minor league system. His dad lived it. So it was, uh, it, it wasn't anything that it, it, it just right away, you know, I thought, wow, he's an NFL guy. But as time progressed and then you look back, you realize, oh my gosh, I missed all the signs. Yeah, um, you know, I tried to explain to people, you know, when they were talking about it, you know, after he was picked by the A's, and, you mm-hmm. know, there was, I remember the first report about it was something like, you know, he would go back to play football to you because he made a promise to Lincoln Riley or something. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Lincoln Riley would understand, man. You just, you just got picked in, you know, by the, by the A's to go play baseball and make millions. I mean, there's no promises, you know, at that point. I was trying to tell people he really loves football. He just yeah. wants to play. And, yeah, and you know you what? Know, I should have listened to you. I should have listened yeah. because that was one of those, like, uh, you know, he, he does. He was never going to sit out a bowl game. He was never, never going to miss anything because he loves football. Exactly. Like, it's just, it just to me, that part of it. So, I guess, you know, once you, once you start hearing, hey, you know, this sport where, you know, you, you love it clearly you could make more money guaranteed you know right away uh you know you have a chance to be you know potentially the number one pick i mean to me that part of it uh you know i guess it just all kind of fell into place you know so it's uh it's it really is a, a pretty phenomenal story but you know there are other guys too though who are jockeying here and <laughs> i'll tell you what man if it wasn't for kyler murray you know being the number one pick I would say Cody Ford would have to be the most surprising development here. A guy who, you know, played guard most of his uh, career leading up to this past season, all of a sudden comes in, dominates at right tackle, and now, uh, you know, he looks like a first-round guy as well. Hey, think about it. Here's, here's Cody Ford, who was laying on the field with a broken leg in a tough game against Ohio State. And from what I have come to understand, it was pretty severe. Yeah. And, you know, he fights and grinds to get back, has a season to where you realize, okay, this guy, this guy's pretty good. He's got a little nasty to him. And then I, I don't want to ever say anything was on a whim. I don't think Bill Beadbow ever is like, hey, why don't I do this? There's yeah. a plan to it. There's <laughs> yeah. a thought to it. But, I mean, even in the mind of Cody Ford, he was like, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Okay, let's go. They move him out to right tackle, and he becomes one of the more – dominating offensive lineman in college football. Basically, 
you know, replacing a dude that if we look at numbers, and I know stats aren't really a big thing for a lot of people with offensive linemen, here was an offensive line that was used, losing arguably one of the greatest offensive linemen in Sooner football history mm-hmm. in what Orlando Brown Jr. did. So what do they do? They shift the guy from the right side to the left side, and Cody Ford becomes this beast. And I think you're right. You know, if not for Kyler Murray, I think the Cody Ford saga and all of kind of the turmoil he'd been through, not just with the injuries, but he's got a an incredible family story. Mm-hmm. I really do think this would be the talk of the draft. And then in that, when people would start digging into Cody Ford, I think, Alan, that story would be, holy smokes, four offensive linemen from that starting five is going to get drafted, you know, or at least mm-hmm. have a very good chance to get drafted. So, you know, as, as much as back-to-back number one picks can be the cornerstone of this of this program for a while think about what could eventually be the story about the offensive lineman who could be drafted by uh, the time Saturday's final round wraps up in the NFL draft and the best of him might be the guy that has thankfully another year of eligibility left well wait hold on he's going to be a sophomore next year mm-hmm. so yeah he could technically leave could Creed Humphrey after yeah. next year but I'm just saying he might be the guy of all of them who has the biggest upside yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Do you see, I mean, based on what you've kind of seen, you know, reading through the mocks and how people have gone, I mean, do you, do you see all four of those guys who are eligible from the offensive line getting picked? So I'm a uh, full disclosure here for all of uh, Alan's listeners. I will waste most of my afternoons this week going over <laughs> seven round mock drafts. Now, for those that aren't familiar, a seven-round mock draft probably has an accuracy rate of like 0.5. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, <laughs> I'm willing to bet that after the first 15 picks, a seven-round mock draft might not have another pick right. But it's always kind of interesting to see where guys are gauged or where they could end up. And I've only had one that I've seen, and I honestly think, you know, this dude uh, – the Walter football people are really good dudes and they've always come on my show, but I almost feel like he had to slip up somewhere because he has Amani Bledsoe getting drafted in the sixth round and he has Rodney Anderson going in the seventh round, but he doesn't have Ben Powers, Bobby Evans or Drew Samia going right now. Now Mm. I will say I can, I, I can lay this out without trying to sound too goofy and my source is kind of a person, but I've talked to people and it would not be a surprise if they're all off the board by the fifth round which would be incredible that basically you would have a starting five of an offensive line that is going to have a guy go in the first round uh i've heard differing thoughts between whether or not drew samia or bobby evans would be next some think you know all three outside of cody ford might end up being guards at the next level there's a really good chance bobby evans a guard at the next level so you know, I, I, I kind of I think Bobby Evans is going to be a third rounder. I think Drew Samia is going to be right after him in the fourth, and I think Ben Powers is going to be a fifth rounder. So you're going to be able to say you had in my in my world an offensive lineman going the first, third, fourth, fifth round. That's incredible, yeah. incredible. But yeah, for just about all of those goofy seven round mock drafts that I look at, all of them but that one had every single guy going in the NFL draft, and that's just I, I don't know if you can say many more amazing things than that because that's just it's yeah. unreal oh it's yeah unreal you know, bill Biedenboe just keeps on uh plugging doesn't he man no 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 let up there um you know uh marquise brown a guy who is uh also you know uh probably i i don't know if he'll necessarily be the first receiver off the board but uh you know a lot of uh smoke lately that he'll go in the first round um you know 
kind of a disappointing end of the career for him there at OU with how uh, the bowl game played out and that that uh, injury because uh, you know you could just tell he was robbed of all explosiveness and just couldn't really I mean he was just out all out of sorts but sounds like uh, all the medical stuff is coming back pretty clean on him. Yeah, and it sounds like his push to do that really helped open some scouts' eyes. So, in other words, he it was painful to watch. You watched, we all watched. He just he wasn't the same guy. And you know, I I'm blessed to be able to do the sidelines and the radio broadcast, and I could see it firsthand. You know, I I saw it when he came off the field, and I knew you just realized he's not the same. And from what I I don't know if we need to go too deep on this or if we want to get in the weeds, but it was the the area they couldn't shoot up his foot because what what good is a numb foot for a wide receiver yeah, so he yeah, had to play yeah. <laughs> he had to play through that pain so uh, with all of that precursor the good news it appears is him trying to gut through him trying to push through is something that has really sold a lot of scouts and, and GMs and I guess you know I I shouldn't even say scouts anymore because now we're in the general managers we're in the president uh, we're in the owner phase of, of draft time you know so i think i think he's going to be i think he's going to be the first receiver off the board i really do i've gone back and forth on this uh dk metcalf was phenomenal at the combine but i think with what and when he is drafted, he should probably send a huge thank you bouquet to Tyree Kill and Antonio Brown. Yeah. Because what these smaller receivers <laughs> have been able to do in the league has everyone looking for the next one. Now, the great debate is, are you getting the next Tyree Kill slash Antonio Brown, or are you getting the next Tavon Austin, who's a good NFL wide receiver? He's just not a game changer, mm-hmm. at least not in the NFL. Unfortunately, he was in college. So I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer that, it, that Marquise is going to go – higher than expected and he thanked those smaller receivers but also those medical rechecks were just huge huge uh positives for him and i think that one thing that goes underappreciated with uh marquise brown is that uh really all of you receivers you know i think that some people look at the uh air raid systems and see a lot of guys who either run vertical routes or you know catch screens uh, he's a route runner. I mean, he's he's yeah. got all the moves. He's you know, I mean, like they've done. A, they're doing such a good job at this point, producing kind of pure NFL caliber wide receivers. I love the term that Coach Simmons. Well, it's not it's not an, an earth shattering term, but they also talk about that catch radius. Yeah, and that's an area that Marquise Brown you could see improve throughout his career. You know, you go back and everyone. Everyone remembers the one-handed C.D. Lamb catch whenever he reached up, and I think they called it incomplete. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, Marquise Brown was capable of doing things like that. He went up and made tough catches in traffic. You know, the only concern that Marquise Brown is going to have at the next level is, you know, when he takes some shots, yeah. is whenever he gets hit. Some, someone is not going to let up across the middle because, ah, you know, it's, it's gotta, they're going to try to lay him out. And – that's my only concern. I think I think one area that Marquise Brown was really good at was avoiding hits like that. Yeah. I, I was thinking back during his career. I don't remember him getting lit up very much whenever he would make plays. I think he got hit once when he went up for one. So mm-hmm. maybe that's just me nitpicking a little bit. But he's a complete receiver. And I know the big knock was, oh, he's too skinny, he's too small. But he's heard that his whole life. He's always been the fastest. And 
Uh, trust me, NFL NFL teams will find a way to use speed. I'm thinking if if the Cincinnati Bengals, I know they're sitting there at what ten or eleven in the draft. Mm-hmm. If they don't go quarterback with Zach Taylor there and the kind of offense he wants to yeah. run, it would not surprise me at all if Marquise could potentially go that high. Now everyone's gun shy in Cincinnati because they drafted John Ross a couple years ago. And he's just been a flat-out disaster yeah, in the NFL. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go somewhere high like that. Yeah, uh, that I mean, that would be uh, pretty incredible if he if he makes it that high, you know. But, uh, you know, the other place you see him right now uh, getting pegged a lot is uh, Baltimore there in the, uh, you know, there in the 20s. They love their Sooners. And, uh, you know, they, it's also says a lot, though, when Baltimore takes you. I mean, they, they've got a, as good an eye for talent as an organization, I think, as just about anybody out there. Yeah, they uh, they like the Sooners, man. You start looking up and down that yeah, roster, yeah. It's, it's loaded with them. I would love them in Baltimore. I just – dude, I, I think they're going to take a back step this year. I think they're going to struggle. Um, if they had picked up Le'Veon Bell, I think that might have been a different story in Baltimore, but I think they're going to struggle this year. So I could see him there. If he falls at all, if he ends up on the board at, say, 26 with Eagles pick or 27 where the Raiders pick, uh, I think think he could be a slam dunk there. I don't know if he made a pre-draft visit to Oakland or not, but I don't think – how about Antonio – I'm sorry, uh, Marquise Brown, if he falls out of the first round, He's not slipping past Arizona with the first pick in the second. Oh no, no, no! no so yeah, yeah I, I think, I think he'd be long gone by then. Yeah, man, the ghost of Al Davis would be uh, going nuts if they get a guy like that. <laughs> he'd be that. so happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd be absolutely. so happy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I guess you know what? Let's talk about one last guy, and that's Rodney Anderson. Um, you know, when you think about how good Oklahoma's offense was. Uh, without Anderson for what he played essentially like five quarters this season. Uh, right. I, that says a lot. Uh, but he, I think people probably, it's a little outside out of mind just how good he really was. Uh, I know the injury concerns obviously there. I mean, he's had a, a slew of them. Uh, would be probably you know depressing his stock a little bit, but uh, to me, uh, he's an NFL caliber back who you know I mean he could definitely be a productive guy right right away in my opinion. He's running for scouts allegedly this. I keep saying scouts. Scouts are real, irrelevant right now. <laughs> he's apparently he's apparently running for teams today, mm-hmm. uh, okay. and or, or today or tomorrow. I now again I haven't been able to follow up on that and. By the time this drops, that could probably be shot to you-know-what. But I had heard he had reached the point where he was going to have a private workout for teams that were interested. He, to me, I, I see sixth, seventh round. I think if he's mm-hmm. able to show he can do anything, the best thing that could have happened for Rodney Anderson was nobody jumping out and doing anything special in, in, as far as the running back position is concerned in this draft. There might be one taken in the first round, yeah. and that's Josh Jacobs Alabama, yeah. at Alabama. And that might be it that goes in the first round, if any. You know, Jacobs could easily fall out of the second round. You know, Devin Singletary not running a fast time, save for David Montgomery. You know, mm-hmm. Justice Hill doing well, but not necessarily viewed in that category of a potential elite back in the NFL, as right or wrong as that might be. I've said this all along. The best thing that happened to Rodney Anderson was that there wasn't a running back or two or three that just wowed everyone at the combine. In fact, you, know, you go back to February, and the running back position may have been the most disappointing position at the NFL Combine. So, to me, I think people are even now on the week of, they're still digging, and they're still 
they're still going into if you need a running back if you're oh my gosh we could have if you're philadelphia if you're yeah. oakland if you're yeah. you know constantly evaluating like a new england is you know they took sony michelle last year or you're baltimore you know they just lost one of their running backs this offseason you're you're thinking to yourself okay where is the guy that I can plug in and can play right away and can do it all? I, I, there, there just wasn't anyone that jumped out and yeah. said, I'm your guy. I'm worthy of it. So I think that helped Rodney Anderson out a bit. I, I don't – the injury concerns are it, man. When you lose three seasons, even though they're three yeah. different injuries, that's going to be a problem. But I really – I could see him going as high as the fourth and as low as undrafted, depending yeah. on how scared off people are by his medicals. But you get, say, an Andy Reid that has made the decision that, hey, this is, this is the guy I want, well, you're going to draft him. I mean, it's kind of funny because the running back position is one where there's guys that have had injuries in college that tend to excel when they get to the NFL. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Arian Foster is a great example yeah, of it. Of course, he had yeah. the fumbles as well, too, when he was at Tennessee. But you get to that next level, and suddenly, you know, the game flows down for you a little bit you know you got bigger stronger offensive linemen it just it gets a little bit more calm I guess for you so I think Rodney's got a great chance in the right spot to be if he's healthy I know this sounds crazy I think he can be a day one contributor wherever he ends up I really do yeah I'm, no I'm with you on that you know we could even get him involved with special teams too so it was a kickoff yep. guy maybe um so what are your Raiders going to do uh, make me go crazy before now <laughs> and Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. Pop, I know you talked to Jimmy Poplin before. Mm -hmm. Whenever whenever they made the Mac trade and the Cooper trade, he asked me how I felt about it. I mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm going to be I'm mad about it during the season, but I know when April comes around, I'm going to be really happy. I'm still not really happy about it, to be honest <laughs> with you. But I, here's the thing. it's I, I don't think anyone that listens to this needs a draft lesson, but here's my TED Talk. The great debate in any NFL draft war room is whether or not you pick for need or best available player. And who makes the call? Does the general manager make the call? Does the executive vice president make the call? Does the owner make the call? Does the coach make the call? I think the positive things going for the Raiders are this. Number one, they've got the voice as to who's making the coach. John Gruden is making the call. I think the other part of it is he's finally got a general manager that he trusts. And listen, I watched Mike Mayock. I've watched him for the last 10 years, and I've always said, man, I wish that guy was my general manager. And here we are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> here we are finally after 10 years of watching the NFL Network. But I, I think, I really do believe that the Raiders are going to end up getting a sooner, whether it's Cody Ford falling to them at 24 or if it's Marquise Brown at 27. I really think they're going to end up with a sooner. Beyond that, I think they'll go Quinnen Williams at four or Nick Bosa if he's there. You know, there's there's all kinds of rumors as as, as we're talking on a on a Tuesday. There's all kinds of rumors about a trade up and and maybe going up to get Kyler. I'm just not buying it right now. Yeah. But um, it's exciting whenever you have a team that has basically held its cards very close to the vest because it leads to a lot of speculation. And I like it a lot. I think it's, it's, it's gut wrenching. You just want to get to, to Thursday in the start of the draft, but it's also, it's kind of, kind of fun in the mystery. Hey, look, can I throw one more guy at you real quick yeah. before we wrap up Alan? Yeah. I'm I sure. think Imani blood. I think Imani Bledsoe is getting drafted. I really, really do. Yeah. And you know, again, here is somebody and I'll never forget this. 
his first year was Calvin Thibodeau's first year, and you follow recruiting much more closely than I do. But I'll never forget Tibbs, and he was a big gift from Lawrence. Tibbs said, hey, if things go right for this guy, he's going to have a decision to make, you know, whether or not he's going to come back for his you know, final season. Now, granted, this, this decision wasn't, I think, <laughs> got made for necessarily. Him. <laughs> right, right. I think this decision was kind of made for him. But there's, there's a natural ability there with Bledsoe that I think teams are interested in. Uh, he talked to just about everyone that was here for Pro Day. Um, he's, some think, you know, maybe even as high as the mid-fifth round. So I think Amani Bledsoe could be this year's uh, – I think he could be this year's guy that doesn't end up going to the combine, gets an opportunity and makes the most of it. Now I'm not trying to tell you that he's going to end up being a starter on the NFL roster. And we're going to look back and be like, Oh my gosh, where was this when he played there? I don't think that's going to be the case at all, but I, I do think that he's got an opportunity to go out and, and find himself getting taken on at some point on Saturday. And I think that'd be a good story. You know, he never, unfortunately, he never really panned out mm. the way that we thought it should, uh, or the way that it could. But I, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm completely spacing on the sooner linebacker out of Norman North, who's a Bengal now. Oh, Jordan um, Evans. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> you know, Jordan Evans. Here was a guy that didn't necessarily have uh, a banner four-year career. I mean, he was a stud. He was a captain. I think he stepped up and was one of the best defensive players after that Texas Tech game during his final season. But he wasn't invited to the combine, ran a great time at his pro day, and has now had a pretty steady career with the Bengals. I think, I think that's a story that could end up playing out with Imani Bledsoe. I really do. As frustrating as this defense has been to people at times, I think Bledsoe's got a chance. I think Curtis Bolton has a chance to make a roster. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Yeah. Uh, and I think over the next you know, three or four years, we'll start seeing more of these defensive guys getting an opportunity. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you there, you know. And you know, the thing about it is too is Bledsoe, I always felt like he was more of a kind of a three tech uh defensive tackle. And so, you know, he was never exactly playing that role at OU, you know. I mean he was moving or shifting right. around a lot and that might be, you know, it might be the kind of thing where he gets a shot to I guess play play a role that fits him maybe a little bit better, so we'll see. I agree. So I speaking agree, of uh, moving guys around, so you know, I mean you're you're there. What, what's your take on Alex Grinch? I love him. I do. I think he's great. We had a, for since we were mentioning Sirius XM earlier, we did our we got Toby and I got to host the campus mm-hmm. tour show, and it was my first chance to sit down with him. And you know, some people I talk to friends that are beat reporters a lot, and some people don't like a guy that gets overly philosophical. They want someone to tell you who's good, who's playing well, who's a standout player, and that's it. And, you know, you start getting into some of these different angles and they they just tire of it i love it i think it's great um he's he's not necessarily saying things that haven't been said before but it's almost as if you have a fresh outlook on it and you you believe it and and, you know mike stoops had said hey i just you know we got to get better here we got to get better there and i think fans would say well you were the guy recruiting him where this is your fault you know Mm -hmm. i i think with with alex grinch and he says things you know i I need 22. I maybe have 11 right now. And I think people look at that and say, okay, I can't wait till he gets his 22. And with recruiting going the way that it is, uh, I think people get pretty excited about it, I think. But uh, I love his approach. You know, this, this mindset of, of speed D, uh, he's not real big on solo tackles, which is something that I just I, – I 
absolutely beamed whenever I heard the rallying to the ball, yeah. the intensity. You know, it, I'm as I'm as an intense and as fired up person as there is that you'll find, but it's not going to make me a better anything, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to have a, a goal. I got to have fun, and I think that's what you're seeing here. The players see this intensity, they see this fiery nature, but they know it's not just show. They know there's a they know there's a rhyme and a reason to it. And to me, spring was more about between the ears than anything else. And we talked to Trey Norwood after the spring game, and you could sense that it's registering. You can sense that, you know, these guys realize the long road ahead of them, but also the confidence that they're gaining being in this defense. And there's a certain kind of good cop, bad cop, I think. You know, you got mm-hmm. <laughs> where Alex Grinch is a guy that never seems like he's going to be happy, but you got Roy Manning, who's pretty fired up all the yeah, time. It yeah. seems like a pretty fight. So I, I think you have some of that going on right now, but I also think that it's it's more than anything, it's refreshing. You know, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's a change that the players are buying into. The guys have changed their bodies. It's just it's a new world, man. Yeah. It's a new world and a new mindset, and I'm excited to see it play out in the fall. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean – I think about you. You kind of touched on it, the messaging, and uh, you know, you know. I think Mike, he wanted so badly to get it fixed. He really did, and, and right. you know, everybody, did. everybody who dogs on Mike, I understand. But I mean, he was so frustrated, and you know, I mean, trying everything. I, I think you know, I mean, doing so much tinkering, and so you know. He, it it was it didn't seem like he had a lot of answers because he was always kind of experimenting with new stuff, you know. I think with Grinch, you know, what I'm hearing is more instead of, you know, adapt trying to adapt everything, being more like, here's what we're doing, we're gonna get this right the way I want to do it. Um, exactly. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those deals where you know you kind of get the exact opposite of the last guy and. You know, Grinch has his system, and he's coaching to it. He's confident in it, and it's uh, you know, I think after after so many years of trying trying kind of everything, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at it, to have a guy say, okay, this is what we're doing, I think is like you mentioned, it, it is just kind of refreshing, or just it, it it's gives you more hope than uh, what you know than than the uh, you know, let me see what I can do this week, mad scientist it, type thing. It it feels like. You're not plugging leaks. It feels like you're building a yeah. dam. You know, yes. it, feel, yeah. it feels yeah. like that you're that you're not just sticking a finger in a little water spigot or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. but you're actually building a wall. And that's kind of that's an analogy that I've used a lot because you're right. <laughs> the the thought that maybe Mike Stoops just kicked his feet up on his desk and said, "We'll get him next week." You know, that's mm-hmm. just not, that's not what it was. It's like that the, dude it was, was, was to the, it was the exact opposite. I think at some point <laughs> right. it was detriment. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's. I think it still pains him today. Yeah. I absolutely do. But you know, in in Alex Grinch, things you've read, things I've read that, that that obviously people realize he's he's coached with this kind of offense as his offense. He's coached against these kind of offenses with his defense, so he gets it. And I know that who was it? Pete Golding was the apple of everyone's eye because he was Alabama, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm still mad they didn't get Golding. Well, I mean they're not magically going to change their mind. Number one, and then number two. This dude knows what it takes to be a defensive coordinator. He has called plays, and I think that's a, I think that's huge. I just, yeah. I'm so, I'm so interested to see kind of how this all plays out. And then who's this? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? We know two mm-hmm. players that he mentioned that stood out to him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Fields and Delarian Turner. Yeah, those. We asked for a few more players. I think that uh, Laron Stokes is someone they seem pretty fired yeah. up about. Yeah. You know, they they mentioned Kenneth Murray and Deshaun White. But, okay, who's the rest? 
what's mm-hmm. this lineup going to look like? And I'm so I'm so interested in that first two deep, and then when they step on the field late August. Yeah, yeah. Well, to hear him tell it, man, it's like he's got nobody. <laughs> you know, it's I know, like, right? He's just... You're gonna walk out there with two guys, and that's it. Yeah, he always sounds. Yeah, he sounds so disappointed. <laughs> you know, so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Uh, but it is anyway, man. Well, uh, you know, thanks so much, Chris. I really do appreciate it. Anytime you can come on, I always say, you know, I mean. You did so much for, I think, you know, kind of sports media in uh, in the state of Oklahoma, really, with the work you did there in Tulsa, getting, uh, you know, the buzz off the ground, you know, I mean, Ooh, yeah, I mean, but like, Chris, the, I, that's such an accomplishment, man. I mean, like, I know that Thank that you. sounds funny, but like. Man, I mean, you're a pioneer in that market, really. When you think about it, man. So you know, you, you pioneer, pioneer makes me feel old, but it was great, and I'll never forget whenever the whenever we first launched the Buzz, which was a kind of an offshoot of 1430 Sports Radio. Uh, the ID stuck, and whenever it hit at the top of the hour, it played 72 times over and over and over by accident. So. <laughs> yeah. It was it wasn't always perfect, man. But Alan, that means a lot for, uh, coming from you, and I really appreciate it, dude. I think to me, you were you were the first Sooner podcast I ever found. <laughs> so you were you were the you're, you're an innovator in my world, man. Oh, whenever man. whenever I saw blatant homerism like this, this is my kind of stuff right here. So uh, thank you very much, man. I appreciate All it. All right, awesome. Well, Chris, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, best of luck to your Raiders, I guess, this weekend. Huh? Fingers crossed. Let's hope Gruden doesn't screw this up. Thanks, Alan. All right. Again, that's uh, Chris Plank of the uh, Sooner Sports Radio Network. Uh, also, uh, you know, AM, uh, uh, sorry, uh, FM 99.3 there. Uh, listen to him weekdays 9 to 11 Central. Uh, and also, you know, check him out on the Big 12 uh, new uh, series channel. So thanks again to you all for uh, joining us, too. For the Boynton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.